Hey, gang, you know what's on my mind more than deleting all the annoying kids shows that show up in my YouTube watch history from over quarantine? Better marketing decisions. Yep, that's right. That's why I'm so excited to be supported by my friends at PureCars, who put the power of data and superior information into the hands of dealers where it belongs. Use PureCar to make better marketing decisions and get better results. Visit PureCars.com to get a free, no-risk, no-obligation digital strategy analysis today. That's PureCars.com. And I should clarify that that process to getting to where we are now was eight and a half years of trying (laughs) and nobody watching and nobody caring and nobody listening. If that can be an encouragement to some of you being really, really frustrated with content creation, you think what you're doing is great, but people still aren't resonating. It is and and was an eight and a half year process to get to this 180 million views a week. Um, And what contributed to that was staying in the game the right people finding me and paying attention still when not a lot of other people were, but they saw the value coming. They saw potential. So it was staying focused on this goal. And then an opportunity did come and it came completely out of left field (coughs) while I was dedicated to the craft. So I was vlogging every week for about a year that 13 people watched y'all 13 people cared about my vlog but I cared about it. I I was learning the craft. I was learning how to edit. I was learning what worked, what didn't. All of life, I generally tend to think of as an experiment, a really exciting experiment. Um, And that's what this was for me because I've always maintained the mindset. Would I want to be doing this and adding value in this way if I never got paid for it? Nobody ever really cared. And and people caring (laughs) is a delicate subject because you can't be a people pleaser in the content business. You have to be pretty decisive on who you are because every other comment, um, at least in my world, hates the comment, uh, hates the content, and every other person loves it because we are not specifically niche. We are very, very wide. Um, so I had to know that I loved doing this. I was going to figure it out no matter what it took. Um, so that to say it was an eight and a half year process of figuring out how to really do this the right way. I think that's so tremendous. Even if you look back at guys like Gary Vee and you go back to his very first episode 11 or 12 years ago of Wine Library, I think it still only has like a thousand views. And when you contrast that to 11 years later, Gary, it's, you know, we're seeing this pattern over and over again. I do podcasting for seven years to get to where I'm at. You're doing this content creation for eight and a half years to get to where you're at, to experience what you're experiencing. And enjoying the journey. I think what you just said is something that resonates so deeply with me that you see life as an experiment, like you're excited, you're, you're curious, you want to keep improving. Is that what um, made you want to try new things? Because I, I can imagine along the way, you were probably thinking, oh, if we do this in, in these videos, maybe it'll give us this response. How do you know, is that kind of how it played out for you? And how long were you willing to try that same thing to, to really understand if it worked? Great question. I was willing to try it as, as long as it, as long as it took, because I genuinely loved doing the, the, it. And I think that was, people saw through that over times, so even though the audience was small, 
was still generally engaging and entertaining to them. But here's where the pivot came is I was still in music, right? And I was trying to wait for permission from a suit behind a desk to tell me when, where and how and how I could be successful, right? I was writing songs every day, turning them in. And I felt so small and so reduced that I was just having to wait for permission for my life to begin as a musician. And just my temperament, that didn't sit well with me. So I was always trying to find ways to break through the noise and thinking, okay, as a musician, I have a very intangible skill, right? It's personality or it's a voice and you can't, those aren't immediately monetizable things, right? They're not books um, or speaking engagements and music itself is free. So how do you get people to genuinely care without you telling them to care, whether it's music or anything else? Hey guys, buy my, buy my song, tell all your (laughs) friends, tell all your family. How do you genuinely get them to want to do that without you having to beg them to? Um, And I'll use this example because I think it can be applicable and valuable to the audience. And I can look back at this now and, and I just laugh at God's plan of how it all, all roads point to me doing what I'm doing now. But I was thinking about how to get people to share something. Right? I was like, okay, I got a song coming out. I've got a song out. No one cares. How do I get them to start talking about it? And it was making something in it for them. So word of mouth, right? So I put out on Twitter, hey, I just, if you guys retweet my last tweet about my single 200 times, I'll steal a country music star's car. <laughs> And, and it worked, y'all. It worked. Twitter went crazy every because I had I used what I had. I used the immediate resource, which was just coming off television. So I had a little bit of followers. How do I get their attention and keep it? Right? That was the first thing. So Twitter went crazy. <coughs> sales did all right because of that. Way more sales than I would have had otherwise. So I'm celebrating. I'm dancing. And then it sets in. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta steal a car. <laughs> what the heck am I going to do? How am I going to do that? So I, Joe Diffie, if anybody, if anybody knows J- Joe Diffie, rest in peace. We lost him this year uh, or last year in 2020, but I went, he was a buddy and I went to his wife and I was like, listen, I did a dumb, dumb thing. And then I got to follow through with it. Can I, can I steal your husband's car? Uh, I went to his wife and she goes, yeah, this is great. So everybody knew I was going to steal a car, but How do we go bigger than that, right? That's a pretty big initial thing, but how do we make it even bigger so that the content, the initial content, as most of us on this stage know, is the initial lead magnet to something bigger, right? And even in my content now, I go really, really wide with humor and I boil it down to heart, to something that really matters, to something more intentional. So big, Adley's going to steal a car. And then I'm like, oh my God, well, what am I going to do with it? Now I got their attention. Is that going to be the end of it? So I drove a really crappy Nissan Cube at the time. And I, uh, I was friends with the dealership and I had, a, I had just a little bit of attention. So I went, to, I went to the Nissan dealership. I wrote up this little paper and we had just had a ton of tornadoes back. I'm in Nashville. We had a ton of tornadoes had just destroyed uh, my hometown back in Oklahoma. And I knew of families who lost everything. They lost their home, a newborn baby. They lost all their transportation. So I was like, how do we use this really wide thing to do something really, really great and meaningful, to do it for a purpose? So I walked into the Nissan dealership. The guy I bought my car from was like, hey, I got this idea. What if I steal Joe's car and y'all step in and they're like, no, no, Ad, give it back. We and we're going to do something really great. So I, my plan was to do a three-day social media goose chase from stealing the car, and then I'm like, "Where is she going? What is she doing with it? 
Joe kicks off the hashtag, where's Adley? For three days, it's a social media goose chase to see where I'm going and what I'm doing. And I'm always alluding to, I'm going to do something. And we ended up giving that car away. Um, the point was to give a car away to a family in Moore, Oklahoma, who had lost everything. And so Nissan stepped in, gave me a car. They ran our proposal up the flagpole, turned around a car for me in two weeks. And I said, listen, I'll bring TV and I'll do six stops at six different Nissan dealerships along the way. I'll bring TV and radio to every one. And we're going to make this awesome. Had no idea what the heck I was doing. I knew the why. I had no idea what the how was going to be. Didn't know if, if I could pull this off. Um, but I had a couple people believe in me because they saw that I believed in myself first and had this undying passion to pull this really weird thing off and it worked. So all that to say, that's one of my favorite stories of initially in a totally different business, recognizing the power of storytelling, how to make people feel a part of something bigger than themselves and attention hacking and using that initial content piece to do something big and to attach people to that mission and keep their attention throughout the initial journey. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.